Welcome back to the Segmentist Podcast, everybody. It's 2022, and we are back after a brief, a brief hiatus. We, we don't take many weeks off here at the Segmentist Podcast, but last week was one of them, and uh, I think we all appreciate it. You guys have a good, you have a good holiday. We've got not the entire crew here today. We're missing Abby, unfortunately. We're actually going to be we're going to be running slightly smaller podcast crews throughout this year. We're going to do a bit of an experiment here early in the year and see how we like it. So we've only got only four of us on the pod today. Dan Cash, how are you? Yeah, doing well. Thank you. And you? I'm great. I'm great. It's a little bit cold in my house. Sounds like it's cold in your house. It is cold. Uh, we should clarify, it, we're not running a slightly smaller crew like Abby's not going to come back to the podcast. You know? Oh, no, no, no. We should make, just that, we should make that clear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we want we want each podcast to feel new and different. And so we'll be rotating the the crew a little bit. Plus, frankly, we've got so many amazing editors at Cycling Tips that we we for the last year, we've been just trying to like cram everybody into the podcast. And it's just better if we don't do that, <laughs> if we don't try to put the entire staff into every single episode. So good yeah, recovery, we'll be, Kaylee. Good recovery. We'll, we'll be doing some rotation. Thank you, James. I appreciate that. <laughs> As you heard, that was James. How are you, James? How was your vacation? Uh, I, I, you know, I feel like every time I well, I've only taken a couple of vacations and these were staycations. Um, but it, it dawned on me the other day that I think I took four of the last eight weeks off. And uh, I kind of wish it was like eight of the last eight weeks off. Be- <laughs> That's a fair amount, because, though. Because That's it a all, good little block. It, it is, because it also dawned on me that that was all, that was really the only time I've taken off in the last two years. And it was not enough. Yeah. Well, maybe take another week off next week. I, I got to go. Bye. <laughs> we'll leave you out of the podcast for, for next week. <laughs> this is the next thing about rotation. We can all, you know, we get a break too. And and the listeners get a break from listening to us, which is fantastic. Shoddy Dave, uh, some unfortunate news from you this morning. You have the Ronas. I do indeed. It tested positive yesterday. Um, but I suppose that's that was the risk of a, a pop told me the first time in two years to see my family. So I came in contact with, I think, about seven people in total. Mum, dad, my two sisters, uh, brother-in-law, niece, nephew. And yeah, one of them's had it. Oh, I've caught it on the plane. So it's scuppered a couple of plans for uh, for the next couple of weeks, or at least the next week. Hopefully it's not too bad. got a banging headache, but by that, I'm feeling pretty, pretty all right, actually. That's good. I'm glad that, I'm glad that you're feeling okay because you're all vaccinated up. You should be all right. Yeah. How's the rest of the family feeling? Are they all good? A couple of them are it. Uh, but my partner, she she's feeling a bit rough. But I think it's just because she's up every night with her, yeah. The six-month-old. I don't think it's the Rona. <laughs> <laughs> COVID in the six-month-old. That sounds like a lot of fun. Well, let's get into today's episode. We've got, we've got a fair amount to talk about here. It is kind of a slow time of year, but, you know, there's still stuff going on. We have some COVID cancellation news, and we're going to be talking about how that might affect the rest of the season because, well, that's a topic that's back, unfortunately. We also heard from Tom Dumoulin over the break. We've got injuries. Chris Froome, unfortunate again. And we're going to talk about riding goals for this year, just the, just the crew here, what we want to do on the bike this year, and then we want to hear from listeners out there, what are your riding goals for this year? Because, well, we just had... New Year's, New Year's resolutions and all. Everyone headed to the gym, or maybe not at the moment. What do you, what do you want to do in 2022? We're going to talk about that later. And in today's Nerd Nugget, how to keep your bicycle from disintegrating when being used as an indoor trainer bicycle. We'll talk about that later in the show. What do we do without a Continental ad, Shadi? Wait, so are we, are we done with Continental as a sponsor? Is that over? I really hope not. End of last year. Oh, man. There's some things in the works, it sounds like. Uh, And I don't know whether it'll be Conti or somebody else, but there's some things in the works. We've got to say thanks to Conti anyway for a year's worth of support. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. And I'd be impressed if they do come back and sponsor the rest of the podcast after the hash I made of a a full year of mispronouncing (laughs) the name. (laughs) Uh, well, no ad at the beginning of this episode, so let's thank our Velo Club members very briefly. 
Y'all know what this is. This is our membership program. And this is, well, Velvet Club is a huge reason why we can do the things that we do. It's the reason why we can do this podcast. It's the reason why we can chase down these crazy stories. And it's the reason why Cycling Tips feels different from the rest of cycling media out there. That's down to Velo Club. So if you're a member already, thank you. If you are not, consider consider subscribing. Plus, now we've got uh, 75 cents a week, which will also drop the paywall that is currently on the site. Uh, we haven't actually discussed the paywall on this podcast. Maybe we will at some point. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a pretty cheap way to support a media entity. Which, if you're listening to this podcast, I hope you like. So yeah, consider consider joining. We'd appreciate it. Just think 75 cents is like probably if you've got kids, a little girl, especially who likes wandering around with a purse, it's probably the same amount of money she whips out your wallet to go and buy, I don't know, a couple of Harry Bowls once a week. (laughs) So what's more valuable to you? Cycling tips, continued existence or a couple of Harry Bowls? And James, don't answer that question. (laughs) Let's get into the news. Dane, we've got... Let's start with the the saddest news. Amy Peters had a training crash in Spain. Do we have any updates on her? Well, updates, I, th- I suppose, since we last podcast, uh, but not really in the last few days. So for those who aren't aware of the story, uh, Amy Peters, the track and road star, was uh, at a training camp with the Dutch national team in Calpe, uh, was involved in a crash there and was hospitalized. I believe she was airlifted to a hospital, lost consciousness, uh, and underwent surgery uh, on her head and has been in an induced coma as far as we know since then. Um, and that's that's really the, the latest. Uh, that was more than a week ago at this point, and uh, no, no updates from there, no... Um, um, they, they had, I guess, initially planned to keep her in that induced coma for a few days, and we haven't really heard anything more than that. Uh, that 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 initial time period though has passed, so we're not really sure what the what the plan is now. You know what what the latest is uh, for Peters, uh, but yeah, that that's where things stand here as of uh, our recording time on Tuesday. Yeah, we don't like I said, don't have any any really additional information. We will keep. Listeners updated as we get it, as well as, of course, on the site. Uh, our thoughts go out to Amy and teammates and friends and family and everybody that, that knows her. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's about all we can say about that. Uh, moving on to slightly less sad news. Got a couple injuries that are affecting the cyclocross season and potentially affecting next year's road season. Chris Froome is dealing with a knee injury. Now, granted, it is, you know, not quite off-season. Definitely, actually, definitely not off-season anymore. But it's still very early in the season. This is not, you know, this is not the end of the world for Chris Froome. But, Dane, what's what's going on with, with Froome and his knee? Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of said it. It's it's uh, it's an off-season knee injury that, yeah, I think uh, most, most riders, you would say it's not that big of a deal. But uh, he's having to some, take some time off um, due to some inflammation in and around his knee uh, that's, it's not really what you want if you're coming back from, from, uh, well, what he's coming back from. I, I mean, I suppose he's already been back riding, but he's in this very long process of trying to get back to where he was, uh, pre Dauphiné, pre injury, uh, from, from now two years ago, two and a half years ago. Uh, and yeah, it's just another, uh, Another step back for him that I think he's he's in a position where he, obviously you want to only be moving forward at this point. Uh, and yeah, I think for Froome, it's just raising another question of right, how you know how long is he going to keep trying? And, and he seems pretty committed to getting back to that former level. Um, but age 36 now, it's just uh, raising another question mark. And hopefully he'll be able to get back to training soon. But for now, he's going to have to kind of press pause on his off-season buildup. And, and obviously, this is a time of year where it's really important to, yeah, to get back to your best in terms of, you know, preseason form. And uh, he's just going to have to wait on that for a little bit. This is the hard thing about about injuries like he had, right? That sort of 
catastrophic leg injuries. I remember talking to Taylor Finney a couple of years ago, and obviously he had that that massive crash at U.S. Nationals and and completely obliterated his leg and and struggled with knee pain sort of ever since then. And one of the one of the big issues for him was that he just couldn't do the volume that he could do previously. He just if he ever went back to that volume, the knee pain would would flare up. The the, the sort of the secondary injuries from that initial injury would would flare up, and it prevented him from sort of fully getting back to to where he wanted to be. Uh, and I'm assuming that, that that's sort of a similar case with Froome, right? Is, is an accident like that, and injuries like that, they do long term damage to your body because you know you get all out of whack, you get all out of balance, and that's the kind of thing that can that can rear its head as as a, a, a what what would normally be a small knee injury that would you know you'd be able to get over it quickly. Maybe it's sort of a more structural problem with Froome at this point. It's going to make it even more difficult for him to get back to where he wants to be. Back back in October, I went to the Total Direct Energy, sorry, the Direct Energy training camp. Got to get used to saying that name. And they were fitting all the riders out with um, the retrial system. And what was what I noticed then, what sort of gets me thinking now about Froome is that they were discussing the riders' previous injuries, the stuff that had happened not just the year before, but three, four years prior, big crashes, because um, that plays a huge part in actually nailing your position. You can't just go right, your left's exactly the same as your right side. And they were, yeah, it was amazing that sort of the accuracy they were they were delving into. And you do wonder, it's like, yeah, your body's never the same. I knackered my shoulder, well, 10 years ago, and then last year I dislocated it again, stripped a load of bolts in there and then had to have it redone. And I've probably done many, many hours of physio since then. But yeah, you, I went home and my sister, my sisters could see that my body shape was different. So with Froome having such a massive accident, you, you do wonder how different his body is, how, how, how he holds himself, not just on the bike, but in the real world. Cause that's going to have a massive effect. Cause I, I'm just checking out, his sponsors and he's still using the same shoes because usually shoes swapping shoes from one season to another can be a, a massive pain on the knee, but he's, he's stuck with city. So that there's, you, you can't put it down to the equipment. It's down to, yeah, his body not doing what it wants to do. I would have thought. Well, and he is, and he's only just in starting what the second year, I think of a long-term contract with Israel startup nation. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. At five million a year or something like that. <laughs> that I've seen various numbers thrown around, but it's a big number. That's what we know. He's uh, not cheap. He's not cheap. And also, and also, if I was making that much money, I would just keep riding even if I was slow. So that's probably what that's probably what he'll do. I would imagine until he just can't anymore. But yeah, I mean, it's just another. It's another unfortunate, uh, unfortunate setback. Quick aside here, I feel like, and this is across all sports, uh, not just cycling. It, it, you, you hear this all the time in, in American football and baseball when when athletes end up getting big contracts and paid a lot of money. Uh, and that you often hear from from fans uh, who are disappointed with their performance. Uh, there's like there's anger directed at that athlete for for what he's doing. And to me, I'm thinking, okay, if you were making several million dollars, I'm pretty sure you'd keep playing regardless of how good you were, just like you said. So I don't understand why people get so angry about this. It makes plenty of sense. I I don't know if fans feel like it's their money. I mean, I guess in a way it is. Like, you know, these teams make money off of fan eyeballs in a way, but it's not not like they're, you know, the, the, the 49ers... Are not a membership organization, right, yeah. Really, yeah. <laughs> so nor is Israel not, startup not, nation. No, no, it's not. It's not really their money. It's I. I don't really understand that one either. I, I. I guess I understand the sentiment in that, like, you're annoyed because you know that whatever the team that you follow and cheer for has a certain amount of cash, and you feel like this individual is taking it from potentially better uses. But that's not really the athletes. No problem. No, unless it's a case of unless it's a case of not really trying, right? Which which does happen. You sometimes you get athletes on big on sure, big salaries sure. who then who then kind of like check out, right? But that's, that is absolutely not the case with Chris Froome, and we we know that that he is doing his best to get back to where he wants to be. He's told us over and over and over again, and his and and teammates around him have said the exact same thing. That's not what's going on. I, 
I mean, I just feel bad for the guy. It's hard to feel bad for anyone making a couple million dollars a year. But I feel bad for the guy because as an athlete, that's not that's not how you want him to to. You don't want his career to end this way, right? It's just this sort of like slow, slow, inexorable decline. You know, helped along by little injuries like this. That that again, normally you could recover from this, but I'm not sure that that he. He needs everything to go so perfectly right now to get back to where he was that, that something like this is, is a big deal. And, and clearly, this is not how he wants things to go. I mean, he signed that long-term contract and thinking that he, and believing that he was going to be able to come back to form. Uh, I mean, he, he, I think it's pretty obvious that he's not someone who appeared ready to retire. I think no, he's done sure. a really nice job, regardless of how it's all gone, giving us a, a kind of a, a, a view into the process. Because he has, he's got this YouTube channel now, and I, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to only talk about Chris Froome for this whole podcast. But another, you know, Chris Froome related aside, he's done a heck of a job marketing himself and uh, pro- providing this alternate perspective on himself. Because I think up to uh, maybe two years ago, whenever he started the channel, uh, it was kind of hard to get information, get to get a real sense of who Chris Froome was. Uh, he was not the most outspoken person, uh, he, you know, not that he was super shy or anything, but he just wouldn't give you a whole lot, uh, you know, in, in, in interviews and, and press appearances. But now he's got this YouTube channel and he does a great job with it. And this, you know, this is how he kind of announced this news. And there's been some other news that he's announced on his YouTube channel. And I think, uh, you know, a tip of the cap to him for doing that and, and for kind of building the, the, the persona, I think, a little bit. And, you know, even if he's not winning races right now, we're able to still see this other side of him. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. I was, I was just going to say that, you know, normally the, the riders that do this are the ones that don't win races, but then it occurred to me that he's not winning races and it's those true. things kind of, kind of coincided. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's smart. It's smart if, if you're, you know, you either have to make headlines by winning races or you can make headlines in other ways. And, and yeah, the YouTube channel is great. It, it gives you in, great insight into, into who he is and what he thinks. And he's pretty honest in it. And you're right. He, like he's a different he's a different person. Uh, not a different person. He's probably the same person. He is more open now than he was a couple years ago when he was a true contender, right? I mean, I've talked to him a couple different times, and the best interview I ever did with him wasn't about him. It was when I, I called him up about Ian Boswell one time when Ian was a was a was like a neo-pro or very, very new at Sky. Um, and then he was super talkative and, and open and, and like loved praising Ian and all the rest, and that was the best interview I ever did with him, and it wasn't about him and that has, I think that he's sort of like changed a little bit in the last couple of years and he's more willing to tell us who he is, uh, which frankly I appreciate. I think fans probably appreciate. And yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's all a good thing caused by a very unfortunate crash. Is either super savvy or he, he just struck lucky with that first, one of the first videos he did with slagging off jaw race disc brakes. Because that one, that one <laughs> brought his YouTube channel to everybody's attention. But is it That's since then? Since then, he has gone back on his words, hasn't he? Yeah. Well, now he owns a stake in in, in fact, one of the companies he yeah, was kind of slagging off. So, well, so, yep, that'll do it. Anyway, we don't we don't need to spend the entire episode on Chris Froome, but it, I, it's kind of refreshing talking about Chris Froome. It's been a while since we got to talk about Chris Froome, so maybe we'll do it again sometime. But let's move on to another injury that has the potential to impact not just this immediate cyclocross season but but maybe going forward so matthew vanderpoel is saying that his back issues are back and interesting quote from him uh which is basically that after well the cut line in uh in kit nicholson's story last week is after over a decade of juggling disciplines matthew vanderpoel's physio says his body is now paying the price which is another interesting kind of similar topic to the to the Froome issue, which is, you know, we, we always talk about how we love the fact that Matthew Vanderpool does all these different disciplines that he's doing cross country mountain biking, that he's racing cross and he jumps straight into the road. But it also means that he's taking, I'm sure, less time off than most of his compatriots. And yes, he's still a, a young man and probably sort of able to handle that load. But as all of us here know, as uh, older men than Matthew Vanderpool, that will change, and it's probably going to catch up with them at some point. And injuries like this back injury that that continue to come back, if he doesn't take adequate time off, it's going to it's going to to derail big important stuff for him. It has the potential now to derail his run at the World Championships. And it sounds like it's already caught up to him. 
Yeah, I think so. I think so. People might be going, oh, he's only 26. He's only been, I suppose, in people's attention for the past sort of, what, five years, four years? But you've got to think this is a guy who, well, he had a pro contract back in 2014. Uh and he would have been racing road. He would have been. He would have been racing everything back then. So he has not. I would have guessed he's not had an off season for yet ten, eleven years. That's a long time. That's that. Some some pros don't even have a career that long. I mean, the other side of this coin is that you know doing other sports can be good for your body, right? And and you know, I personally, whenever I ride mountain bikes a lot, I actually feel better on the road bike because it kind of makes me stronger all around. But there is a, there's a there's a tipping point right there there's and and rest is required and i think that he's running up against that so we'll keep an eye on this particular story again the, the sort of immediate impact is whether he will be at his best for the cyclocross world championships in fayetteville arkansas coming up pretty soon actually but the, the longer term implications i think are actually even more interesting to me is, is whether this is a back issue that that now will chase him throughout seasons We've seen back issues chase other riders throughout seasons, right? Egan Bernal is a perfect example. Can he nip this one in the bud? Can he actually take the time off that is required? Or does he have these pressures from all over the place to, to race everything? Well, unless you live under a very large rock or out in the middle of the sea somewhere, you're probably aware that the COVID is back Never really went away, actually, but uh, the Omicron variant is wreaking havoc, specifically, well, with things like shoddy, right? Where people test positive and maybe they're not having huge issues, but, well, prevented you from going on a couple trips that we had you scheduled for. And that that is that's spreading across all sorts of industries, including bike racing. So we've already had the first cancellation of the year. The Vuelta a San Juan has been canceled, right, Dane? That is correct, which means that uh, a number of riders are going to be looking for, you know, first race of the season, first, you know, uh, attempt to build back into form. That race is a very popular one because of, well, because of a number of things, mostly because of where it is in the world and the calendar, which means that it's warm at a time of year when Belgium and Italy are and the rest of the Northern Hemisphere. I don't know why I zone in on those two Northern Hemisphere countries. They're important for cycling, but so are others. Uh, those places are cold. cold, though. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's that's not the case in San Juan. Unfortunately, there won't be any racing at the Vuelta San Juan this year. Uh, it's been canceled. So people like Remco Evenepoel etc. are going to have to look elsewhere for where to start their season. And uh, I'm sure they'll come out with their their decisions on where they're going to end up. But then the question becomes, well, okay, what happens to Valencia? What happens to this or that race? The, the other races that they're going to say that they're going to start their seasons at, are they going to stick around? That's, you know, it remains to be seen because they're, all these races are going to have to, you know, kind of work around the potential for uh, COVID cancellation. If, if, the old COVID situation does sort of calm down in Europe again because yeah, it's kicking off. It's kicking off in all major European countries. It's going to be worth looking at the Europe Tour races, like last year where all the big riders turned up. So, um, yeah, Valencia, uh, the Mallorca Challenge with the Trophy Opalense, Alcudia, all that sort of stuff, and um, yeah, twelve besides because we 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 spoke to riders. We heard riders say last year that. These races that used to be low-key for years and years and years had World, World Tour teams rock up to them in big numbers and just turn them inside out. So it's, it, we're going to be looking at a season, I think, again, where it's just going to be full-on from the word go yet again, which is good for everybody, apart from the riders, of course, who wanted um, an easing into the season. I mean, one of the things we know now is that uncertainty makes racing harder, right? Because, and we've heard this, like Shadi was saying, we've heard this over and over and over again from riders, is that when you don't know if your five-day stage race is actually going to get five stages, or your one-day race is actually going to happen, or your grand tour is going to finish, when you don't know these things, it makes each individual day even more important because you've got riders who, you know, there, there's no off days, right? And that seems to have, have actually sort of changed the racing culture within the world tour. We've Again, we've heard this from, from many riders in the last two years. And I don't know if that's ever going to change back, right? Or at least it'll take a long time. And in particular, it's not going to change back if we start getting cancellations like we've already had this year. So 
I think we're sort of staring down the barrel at another another very very physically difficult year for the peloton. A UCI points, a UCI point. At the end of the day, no matter what race you get it at. Very true. Well, we'll keep an eye on any news of additional cancellations and things like that. Uh, you know, when 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 COVID first hit, and was it March, April? Two years ago. February for some of us. February? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I forgot Dane got stuck in... Were you UAE? I was in Abu Dhabi at the moment when, when, uh, when everything, you know, shut down. That's right. And that was, that was the Dane end of February. Dane escape. Yeah. Day before my birthday. <laughs> uh, I was... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, less than fun. Less than fun. Uh, yeah. You know, well, anyway, when, when, when all these things first happened... Uh, we put a little piece up on Cycling Tips saying that our intention was to not really remind you of the bad stuff happening in the world on a regular basis, but more try to be an escape. Uh, that 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 continues. So we will mention COVID. We will mention if races are canceled because that's relevant information. But we don't want to harp on it too much because, frankly, there's still there's still great stuff happening in bikes, and we know that you come to us for escape. You don't you don't come to us necessarily for uh, COVID numbers. <laughs> So we won't spend too much time on it. Move. Oh, we're terrible at it. Yeah, we're terrible at it. <laughs> moving on, moving on. Last little bit of news here. Tom Dumoulin is back in the headlines. It had been a little while. Uh, he took, what was that? It ended up being about six months off uh, from December of the end of last year, year ago now, to... June, May or June when he finally came back. And then he kind of had a focus on the Tokyo Olympic time trial. But he's sort of fully back. And we didn't we didn't know when he came back at the time trial whether he was going to return to the GC lifestyle that he had left. The, basically, the lifestyle that had uh, pushed him out of the sport because he he really found the sort of that, that, that monk-like uh, existence difficult. And he... He mentioned a couple different times in recent interviews that he he let the sort of need to be perfect in all these different areas and the need to listen to everybody around him and do what they're telling him all the time. He let that sort of take control of him. And that seems to have changed. And so, again, there w- it wasn't super clear that he was going to go back and try to be the same rider that he was before. But we now have a bit of insight into what he wants to do next year. Dane, what's, what's Tom Dumoulin going to focus on this year? Yeah, so it sounds like he's going to be, well, we know he's going to be focusing on Grand Tour Racing. He said the other day that he was going to be targeting a, a GC title. Uh, with that alone, is a, it's a pretty big deal uh, coming out of his, his 2021 campaign. And we now know, know is a strong word, but we have a pretty good idea that he's going to be racing the Giro based on reports in a couple of media outlets, um, which makes a lot of sense because the... The Jumbo Visma team, of course, has Primus Roglic and Jonas Vingago on the roster as well. And that's who is probably going to be targeting the Tour de France for the team. And uh, for Dumoulin, that sort of leaves the other two uh, Grand Tours. I, I do kind of wonder whether Roglic is going to race the Vuelta, considering his successes there. So yeah, the Giro is like sort of a natural uh, target for Dumoulin. He also has won the Giro d'Italia, of course, back in 2017. He's also finished second there the following year he's won multiple stages so it makes a lot of sense and i think uh i think he's he's a real contender for that race uh, because last year we're saying last year now but in 2021 which we were in until four days ago uh he came back from his time off and very quickly was back to being quite good uh, i think there was some uncertainty whether he was going to come back you know the top level or not and then he went and won the dutch time trial title he won a silver medal at the Olympic Games, get a heck of a return. So I think, you know, when he puts his mind back towards Grand Tour racing, I wouldn't put it past him to, you know, being a contender right right away. Yeah, and he says his mindset has definitely changed. And interestingly, so Lequeep did a, the, the French Sports Daily did, did a, an interview with him, I'm assuming from Team Camp. Uh, really interesting interview, I thought, done by Dominique Isartel. And... The gist of it was that he spent a lot of time talking to Primoz Roglic recently and really enjoys doing so and likes Primoz's uh, view on the world and view on being an athlete and view on success and failure and all the rest. And uh, the actual quote was, I love talking with Primoz. When you talk to him about your problems, he really listens. I've never seen him judge anyone 
He gives his feelings, talks about his experience, and what he told me will help me live the for the help me to live the rest of my career, which I think is a really interesting it's a really interesting thing. We we don't I feel like we don't have a great handle on who Primoz Roglic is still. There's some ski language jumper. barrier there. Uh, yeah, he's a ski jumper. He's just he's a relatively quiet guy in general, but it, we keep we hear more and more from his teammates, which I think is always it's almost more illuminating than actual interviews with the man himself. And that's true of a lot of a lot of different athletes. It's sort of the things that the people around them tell you are more interesting than what they actually say, because you know they're they're somewhat cagey in many ways. And to hear this from Dumoulin, I think is fascinating because it it does point to Roglic's kind of I don't know philosophy around being an athlete and one that is it, it I guess it, to me it explains why the the being overtaken by Pogacar on the on the final time trial at the Tour de France did not break him right like that would have that would have really messed with with a lot of athletes and it sounds like Roglic does not fall into that camp that he's got a sort of a broader view of what he's doing and a broader view of where he's going and how he wants to get there and hopefully now he's he's sort of imparted some of that onto Dumoulin, who, by his own admission, had kind of gone down these rabbit holes and and needed that perspective. Well, I think if you just look at last year's tour, I know it's only a tiny, tiny insight, but there was a few photos kicking around after he pulled out of the pulled out of the tour, and I think it was the day after actually. There's, there's shots of him with fans. Is there? I think in a leather jacket looking pretty chilled and not stressed out. And I was, it's just like, I guarantee you, there would not be many riders who would rock up, hang around for a day after the tour, after, after what happened to him, after, yeah, having to pull out the tour. It just shows you that, yeah, maybe his mindset is very different to a lot of other riders out there. From kind of a sports perspective, though, I mean, this just, this really, this gives Jumbo Visma leadership problems that kind of remind me of of like an Ineos at its at its heyday kind of thing, right? Like like so you give Domelin the, the Giro this year. Let's say he wins it. Then what do you what are you doing with Roglic? What are you doing with with Vingago? What what do you, what do you how how are they gonna how do you think they're gonna deal with this, Dane? Well, I think one thing to keep in mind with the Ineos, well, I guess they were Sky at the time. Yeah, uh, I want to be I want to be right about that. You know, can't be wrong about the team names. Uh, yeah, so I think Sky at the time, it should be remembered, uh, they won two tours de France with leadership issues, air quotes. Uh, it was their sort of their second guy, or at least a co-captain, who won the tour multiple times. Uh, Garen Thomas, when Chris Froome was sort of nominally their, their top guy, and then Egan Bernal did it. So that strategy worked out pretty well for the, the Sky team in its heyday. And I think Jumbo Visma has to be thinking that really can't go wrong having multiple leaders, which they're already probably going to have, even if they're going to say Roglic is their main guy. I mean, it, it doesn't doesn't hurt having Jonas Vinga go there as a backup option. And I, I think uh, I think going in with a sort of plan 1A, 1B, and possibly 1C is actually not that bad when you have some of the best in the world. I know we've talked about this, you know, ad infinitum on this show, but uh, I, I think they're going to be fine with it. And they kind of need to have multiple options because you can have a guy crash out really early in the race, as Roglic has done. Uh, and it's good to have a second option or a third option. But you've got to ask yourself, is he coming back on his own terms? It does sound like he is. It does sound like he's, yeah, maybe he doesn't want to do the tour. Maybe he's happy sticking to the Vuelta Giro, something like that. Maybe he doesn't want the pressure from that. And they're like, right, yeah, we've got two guys who are happy to take care of that. You take care of the other Grand Tours. Do what you want to do. Because it'd be stupid to get rid of a rider of his calibre just because he don't want to do the tour. Yeah, I think that's likely at least in the short term. Uh, but I, I do think I think he'll end up back at the Tour de France at some point. Yeah, maybe maybe as a as a Jumbo Visma trident, uh, hopefully more effective than than Movistar. And like you said, Dane, we've talked about this in the sh in the show a, a bunch of times. But the fact that they still don't have the best rider in the world, right? They don't have Tadej Pogacar, so they kind of need to to chuck stuff at the wall, as we've said many times. And Tom Dumoulin's a pretty good, pretty good rider to chuck at the wall. He's he's got a very specific skill set. He's one of the few riders who could, you know, potentially take it to Pogacar in a in a time trial, for example. 
yeah, he's just not not a bad not a bad guy to have around. I would say going into any any grand tour. Personally, I'm just I'm just glad to see him back. He's a great interview. He's a great personality. He's fun to watch race. Uh, I think the sport missed him when he was when he was gone for for much of the season. And even when he was back, he was you know he's primarily focused on the on, on the, the Olympics and didn't do any big grand tours and et cetera et cetera. So I'm excited that he's returned and wants to do GC again because I think that he's fun to watch in that area. Well, that, that about wraps up the news the last couple of weeks. There's, of course, lots of things that happened over the last couple of weeks, but, well, we don't have an inf- infinite amount of time on this podcast, so we're going to cut it off right there. And we're going to hold each other accountable here. Frankly, we want listeners out there to hold us accountable as well, and we want you to hold each other accountable. So we're going to just, just list off some personal goals for 2022 on the bike. They can be big, they can be small, and listeners out there, Send us yours. Tweet at us. I think you know all of our Twitters at this point. I'm at Kelly Fretz, at Dane Cash, at Angry Asian. Are you at Shoddy? At, at Shoddy Cycling, Shoddy? Exactly. Shoddy Cycling, aye. Yeah. Or just at Cycling Tips and Wall Street. Which is anyway, S-H-O-D-D-Y, not Shouty. He's not shouting at you. <laughs> Which Somebody raised that point. That's actually a pretty good one, because why would anybody be called Shoddy? I, that seems like a negative thing, but no, it's, that's, that's Dave. There is, there is a very it's good positive. reason behind it, um, and I'll tell that story another time, but it in, involves uh, the, what was it called, the Leopard Trek team many years ago. Somebody misunderstanding me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's stuck around ever since. So yeah, we're going to go around the room here. We're going to talk about what we want to do in 2022. And we want you to just send us yours, because frankly, I think writing it down is a good thing. And... If we can make it happen, great. If we can't, well, that's not the end of the world either. Let's start with start with Shotty. Shotty. Shouty. What do uh what do you want to do on the bike in 2022? What what do you got? You got some personal goals here. I do actually like the past I suppose the past two years, what we COVID, and then last year was just stupid. Like I say, shoulder operation, recovery from that, then if anybody did listen to stage four of the Tour de France podcast last year, they'll know I had a kid. <laughs> um, a second one. And then we moved out later on in the year. It was a, it was a very, very busy year. Uh, so I didn't actually get as much cycling in or anywhere near as much cycling in as I would have loved to. Now we've moved, settled down, and I'm in the Basque region. The aims to, well, yeah, use the surrounding area as much as possible because it's it is absolutely fantastic here. I want to get back to some sort of fitness. I've just had a couple of photos pop up on um, my Google Drive from 2011 and 2012 where I actually rolled the Bay Crits. I'm not going to get back to that fitness. But, yeah, I've got a, maybe a little trip planned to the Czech Republic where I'm m- maybe meeting up with... Uh, a certain ex-professional later on in the year. I've been invited over there, so I want to get fit for that. So stay tuned for that. But because I'm only that's what 100k from the Pyrenees, I want to ride from home, do a proper bike packing trip into the Pyrenees once once the weather gets good. So yeah, that's the first aim. Czech Republic's the second aim. Just get fit again because it's it's not nice feeling unfit. No, it's the worst. <laughs> James, what about you? What's your, what's your 2022 bike-related goals? Uh, should I be perf- should I be like completely honest first? Uh, com- yeah, my completely honest bike goal for 2022 is to not have one because I feel like it just sets me up for disappointment year after year. <laughs> That's one way to view it. That's one way to view it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess you know, on a more serious note. I feel like I may have mentioned this before, but I really would like to spend more time in the bike park again this year, uh, mainly because just from a skills perspective, um, I don't spend as, nearly as much time on my mountain bike as I used to when I was riding about mountain bikes. Um, and I do feel like my skills have degraded and I would prefer for those not to degrade. Because if anything, I have I have a bunch of riding buddies who are in similar situations. You know, we're kind of in our early mid forties, maybe even a little bit later and, uh, you know, families and work commitment and so on and so forth. And, you know, none of us really have as much time to ride as we used to, but I would say that 
a lot of my riding buddies still are continuing to get better as riders overall because they continue to work on their skills. So if I am not going to have more time to ride, then I may as well be a little bit more focused in getting to be a better rider in general. That seems like a goal you can attain. <laughs> I don't think you're going to be disappointed at the end of the year by we'll spending see. more time in the bike park. That sounds like we'll a see. pretty good one to me. Dane, what about you? I'm sort of in the middle of one right now, actually. Uh, basically every winter, I kind of stop riding. Not intentionally, but because I have a very low tolerance for being cold. Really, really hate being cold. <laughs> People on this podcast, I think, know that because I complain every time it's cold here. Uh, but I really hate being cold on the bike. And so, you know, when it dips below, in the, in the past, when it has dipped below 60 Fahrenheit, that's like 15 C, I tend to stay inside. And I've decided this year, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to actually ride whenever I can in the wintertime. And so that's actually been a little bit difficult the last few days because it's been snowy. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to increase my threshold for cold. And, uh, you know, somebody who grew up uh, or, or spent a lot of time living in the Northeast or the Midwest might still scoff at my, at my uh, hatred of cold. But I'm going to actually try, my goal is to try not to come out of like February, March completely unfit. And at least maintain some level of riding, even, even in the winter months. Dan, I have a proposal for you that I think may be super useful. Because I, don't, I get the impression that you don't really do a whole lot of commuting by bike. That's well, considering I don't. Where would, where would exactly, you commute to? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's got to like buy groceries and stuff, right? That's true. That's true. Um, but seeing as how we are now owned by Outside Inc. and we have this lovely, lovely office downtown that currently is not being used because we have just been asked to not go to the office for the next 30 days. Um, but Dane, knowing where you live, there is a very, very nice little off uh off road it's like you know, bike path sort of route downtown is, yep that would make, make for a very nice little commute route if you'd like to go into the office every now and then and and i can say from firsthand experience that on fridays one of the guys in the office brings in donuts every friday dan i know that you like may a good be donut. counterproductive to the so, overall goal of staying fit but i i that makes it, sense it might be yeah. but you know, like the whole carrot and stick thing. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just tossing a carrot. Yeah, that's, your a good, way here. that's a really good point. No, that's a good point. So you could, you could maybe make a commitment to make, like, just sort of pop into the office every now and then. Might just happen to be on a Friday when there just might sure. happen to be a box of donuts. And on now the that you table. said that, I might just drive there and get some donuts. <laughs> you, I don't know. This, this might not be the best. Yeah, I'll, I'll try. I'm gonna try, James. I think, I think we need to get Dane on the tech team. He- and he can just test all the winter equipment. Like he can say how how good it actually is, rather than just like uh, I think. Yeah, he's the man for testing the winter equipment. And Dane, you are lucky you did not grow up in the northwest of the UK. You would never have taken up cycling at all. Like even in the summer, like fifteen degrees in the summer is a nice day up there. Yeah, I, I am pretty spoiled with the lack of with a lack of rain in the summertime here. We 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 have a lot of nice days throughout the year to ride so that's definitely spoiled on that front i just want to know you keep that I mean, chiseled jaw then because that's if you're not doing that much <laughs> riding that's impressive dane i appreciate that but i don't think my bones change regardless of you know how much i'm riding the bike yeah fair point i think that's a good goal i like that as a goal and i you know i'm sure we can we can find some warm winter kit for you if uh we need to I'm sure there's some floating around I could also just find some like spring kit that I'm just going to tell him is winter kit. <laughs> I'm just glad that nobody suggested I do indoor riding because that's not something that I want to do that much more of. Uh, so, yeah. No, I mean, I'm going to do a bit indoor riding this winter because I kind of have to because I don't have a lot of time anymore and it's cold and yeah, but I, I, I would never recommend that to anybody. <laughs> I would never do that to anybody. My goal for 2022 this may change. This may change based off of work commitments and some other things. I'll put the caveat there. But uh, I think I might race Leadville. What? This year. Yeah. So I've raced. And you should say, I can say, race Leadville again. Yeah, I've raced it a couple times. I raced it three times. Um, and I've only ever raced it after covering some portion of the Tour de France. Uh, 
And I don't know if I'll cover the whole Tour de France this year. We'll, we'll find out. The, the, the tour this year, uh, we have the whole men's tour. And then the week after is the, is the women's tour. Uh, and so it's essentially a four-week, but then you have to show up early. So it's essentially a five-week trip. So I can't imagine I'll be over for five weeks. I'll probably split that up. But anyway. You do have a, you do have a baby at home, Kaylee. I, I have a baby. I'm not, not going to be gone for five weeks. I will be murdered. Uh, <laughs> but my point being, so I, might, I might actually be home more than usual this summer. Uh, and I live in a place with fantastic mountain biking and a great place to train. And I have long had a, a goal of going under seven hours at Leadville. And I would like to, to give it a go. I've done like 7.15-ish. Uh, and that's, that's I'm putting a line in the sand. I don't know. This is back when I was a bike racer. And so I have a long way to go to, to, get, back to get back to anywhere like that. But uh, that's, I want to give it a shot. And if I can, if I can make that happen, that'll be... It'll set up my whole summer for a lot of riding, as much riding as I can squeeze in, basically, and uh, that's exactly what I'm looking for. So, that's I'm, I'm I'm putting it out into the world in the hope that that forces me to get on my bike for hours at a time in the spring and early summer, so I can try to do it. Getting on your bike for hours. This this, this reminds me of when I did the six day break epic. Uh, this might have been in like 2013, and I think. My kid at the time was about the same age as your kid will be when you are going to do all this training. About a year and a bit. Have you asked your wife about this endeavor? She, she's she's on board. She's on mm. board. Okay. Yeah, she's she wants you out the house. It's <laughs> 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 understandable, I suppose. Well, we've got we've her parents are in town here, so we've got childcare, and you know we can make these things happen. Plus, I one of the things I've discovered about myself as I got older is that I can actually, I don't need to train as long as I, as I used to. Uh, and, and even for a race like Leadville, yeah, I'll go do a couple big long days. But I mean, previously, every time I've raced it previously, I, I, like I said, I was working prior and, and I did it basically off the back of like 55 minute, as hard as I could physically go in the morning before Tour de France stages <laughs> last time. And that went pretty well. So I think I'll actually, I could be, yeah, I think I can make it, I think I can do it. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> but that is the goal. Return to some semblance of my old prior physical self, and race Leadville. So I got. I guess still got to get in. <laughs> got to get into Leadville still. But uh, uh, I'll just, figure that just, out. Just as an aside for people listening right now who have not had the luxury of riding with Kaylee or haven't seen him or whatever. Um, Regardless of what Kaylee says, he's really never that unfit. <laughs> just, just to be clear. But he does put his would, socks would, uh, over I, his leg warmer, so that sort of is a <laughs> bit of a detriment to <laughs> It's a massive detriment. It's a massive detriment. Before we actually, before we get into, before we get into the rest of the show, we do, we do have a quick, quick nerd nugget today. Uh, two things. One, like I said, send us your goals because, you know. I think it's good to write them down. It's good to send them out in the world. Maybe it'll keep you honest throughout the year. You never know. Two, uh, our dear, our dear tech writer, Ronan McLaughlin. Uh, if anybody follows him on Instagram, you will have seen this already. Ronan went out on, what was it? I think it was uh, last week sometime. It was like New Year's Eve maybe. And was on his cyclocross bike and uh had a bit of an incident and snapped his lower leg into two pieces and ronan at the moment it's tuesday is still in the hospital because he needs to get surgery on that leg uh now anybody who listens to this podcast will know that ronan is a phenomenal phenomenal cyclist the the current fastest ever everesting as one small example uh, so it's it's going to be rough for him to to be, you know, stuck with. He's going to have one of those sort of like big metal frame things on the outside of his leg for a while. And so he's not going to be riding. He's not going to be doing any of that. So here's here's my request to you all, all out there. If you don't already follow Ronan on Twitter or Instagram, go find him. He's pretty easy to find. Search for Ronan McLaughlin uh, and then look for the one on a bicycle. That's That's the guy that you're looking for. Just send him a quick note. Tell him that you're thinking of him. Tell him to heal up. I think he'd really appreciate that. And we we here at Cycling Tips, uh, we're just hoping that he that he 
gets through surgery and, and gets back on a bike as quickly as possible because we know the, how, the, how important that is to him. And this is another reason why Dane should take up the uh, winter kit testing because Ronan was in an <laughs> ideal position for that in Ireland. So he's not going to be doing that, is he? So Dane, get warm, my man. It's all on you, Dane. Yeah, I'm sure I'll be just as good as Ronan. That that will definitely happen. <laughs> you, it's a really, by, by the way, it's a really bad break. Uh, I feel like sometimes people will show you their x-ray photos and, you know, I look at them and I'm like, okay, what am I looking at here? I don't really... I guess this is bad, but I'm having trouble seeing. If you look at Ronan's, he he sent me the the image of his of his leg. It's like immediately, oh, your your that bone is just oh yeah. It's like somebody took a saw. Yeah, uh, it's not good. Yeah, not he, connected to the other one. Yeah, so he, I'm not uh, a doctor, nor do I play one on TV, and I can still tell that leg is broken. exactly. Yeah, broke broke his tibia. Just to be clear, it's the bigger of the two lower bones. Uh, the break is down closer to the ankle, I believe, but also the rest of the tibia is split most of the way up because it was a pretty nasty spiral fracture. Um, so that's why he is going to have this big old external fixator thing instead of just like a rod. I think he also broke his fibula just for good measure. It's, you know, it's not as ob- it's not as big and obvious of a break, but it's up there uh, as well. Oh, so he may have fractured his fibula, but it's not a, it's not a, it's not like the, 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 the yeah, the front bone is like, it's definitely snapped the, the back one. It's like, okay, that's broken. <laughs> Neither one is good. <laughs> And he did this uh, on his he did this on his uh, cross bike. So does that mean we're going to even stay more away from cross than we usually do now? Well, I don't know if you well, noticed, but we didn't talk about cross at all this episode. <laughs> <laughs> should we should we address why we didn't talk about cross? I feel like we shouldn't. We should. I feel like we should we not should. talk about this at all. I'm just gonna. This is me. This is me talking. <laughs> like we should edit this out. I, I I don't think anything good can come from this. Yeah, we can. We also show how the sausage is made here a little bit. Uh, we had a discussion before the even the just bringing it up like right here people are going to be mad I feel like but frankly uh, well we were all on vacation for the last couple of weeks and even when I'm not on vacation I don't tend to watch a lot of cyclocross and I think that's, that's true of basically everyone in this episode and so we we just feel like if we can't talk about it and do it justice and we can't actually provide any insight to you that we just probably shouldn't so what we're going to do is we're going to bring in people who can provide insight on these things. Uh, for example, Jose Bain, who is writes all our, most of our cross stuff at the moment and has, and has done a bunch of, she just did a, a great feature on Clara Hansinger, the American that is taking European cross by storm at the moment. So we're going to bring in Jose, who most podcast listeners will recognize, certainly from the Tour de France episodes, and also she just pops on every once in a while. We're going to bring in her to talk cross because, frankly, that's what you guys want. That's That's what our listeners out there that's what you want and need is somebody who deeply cares about the sport to talk about it. So that that's why we sort of avoided Ross this episode. Plus, we're angry at it for breaking running. So with that, let's talk nerd nuggets. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. James, nerd alert. This is a bit of a PSA. I like the PSA nerd nuggets. They're, they're some of my favorites. So what are we uh, what are we what public service announcement are we giving to people today about riding inside? Uh, I'm pretty sure that I have talked about this in previous years around this time of year, but uh, it's now again, as you mentioned, of course, this is our first podcast of 2022 and people have all sorts of goals and whatever for the year. And I would have to imagine that there are an awful lot of people, at least in the northern in the northern hemisphere. Anyway, there are an awful lot of our listeners who are either planning to or have already been riding the indoor trainer, which I think is great if you're looking to maintain or even increase your fitness. However, one thing that I want to remind everyone that, uh, as it turns out, people sweat inside. uh, And as it turns out, that sweat has to go somewhere, which oftentimes ends up on your bike. Uh, So unlike outside, unlike riding outside, when you don't really usually have a ton of sweat dripping onto your bike indoors. That's a completely different story. And that sweat's super corrosive. And if you leave that sweat on your bike, your bike will rust while you're riding it inside going nowhere. Um, and not even just the rust. I just mean trifecta. It's terrible. So, <laughs> and, and not even just rust. I just mean corroded, corroded in general. So it's, it could be aluminum bits, steel bits, you know, bolts, that sort of thing. Uh, so I would strongly, strongly advise uh, using like one of those sweat net things, if you can, uh, it's one of those things that basically just catches sweat before it actually ends up on your bike. Um, you should wipe down your bike indoors fairly regularly. 
Um, if time allows, if weather allows, you actually should take that indoor bike outside and wash it every now and then, try and get all that corrosive salt, uh, corrosive salt off of there. Um, and one big one for me is change your damn handlebar tape, because especially if you don't wear gloves while riding your bike indoors, just imagine this, your sweaty palms on the handlebar tape. It's kind of like wearing the same socks every day for an entire season. It's really not that different. Uh, and all that sweat does get underneath the handlebar tape. So even if you wipe the outside of it, it still gets underneath there. And whether you are riding a carbon bar or an aluminum bar, that whole thing will just get eaten away by your sweat to the point where it actually will, could, could potentially break while you're riding the bike outside in the spring, which would be really durable. If you only ride outside, it, bar tape lasts a long time. It's just the inside gross. Like it just sits there. It's super nasty. There is a couple of products on the market. I do know uh, Muckoff do like a sweat protect that you spray on the bike as well. So it may, might be worth looking looking into that sort of stuff. As I don't know how good it is. I've never used it myself, but uh, yeah. I don't I would, know. Yeah, throwing a towel over your top tube. Yeah, throwing a towel over your top tube. Stuff like that's probably a Throw the towel over your top tube. Wear, wear a headband, wear a cycling, a cycling cap. I mean, just as it works well in the summertime to keep sweat dripping down your eyes, it works great for keeping sweat from dripping off your face and off your head onto your bike. That's a great thing to do too. Um, but uh, yes, it, regularly wipe down and or wash your indoor bike if possible. Uh, swap out that handlebar tape, uh, if only just so you can look at your bar and see what the condition of it is like underneath there. Um, but more importantly, or I guess best of all, just try and keep the sweat from dripping down onto your bike in general. Like Again, as Shadi said, you can drape a towel over the bars in the top tube, if, uh, or you can get one of those dedicated like elastic sweat net things. Those work well too. Um, but just keep in mind that your bike really can corrode while you're riding it inside going nowhere. How about all this n new kit that's coming out i know there's a few clothing brands out there that are designing clothing specifically for indoor training for instance um i know there's a british company no pins do a pair of shorts where you insert ice packs and stuff like that what do you reckon on that then james i, I don't know i mean I, don't, I i guess i've never felt the need for stuff like that because if you have a good fan, it's not really that different. I mean, I feel like personally, I feel like this whole trend toward indoor specific clothing is even far, far more ridiculous than gravel specific clothing, like gravel specific clothing. Like there's some sort of benefit there. Indoor specific riding clothing, I feel like is just crappy riding clothing. Just wear your bibs. <laughs> wear, wear, wear your nice bibs that you want to wear outside anyway, because if anything, while you're riding indoors, you're sitting on the saddle and you're less mobile than you normally would be. So it actually has, there's actually a greater need for a nice chamois and a nice saddle and stuff like that. It highlights the need for proper fitting stuff in a proper position. Um, and then, you know, I'll just usually just wear like a base layer up top and just have a good fan going. Um, you know, you don't need the pockets and stuff. If you have like a little table that you have your, your laptop on, or you can put your bottle and stuff up there. So you don't need pockets or anything. Um, and yeah, that's, I, I, I can't say I've ever felt the need for indoor specific shorts personally. There is the alternative, isn't there? Just go outside. <laughs> Be like Dane. Take on the weather. Indeed. Indeed. Dan, Dan looks very, very excited to take on he the weather. So wish, wish you could see this right so now. All right. That's it from us today. There's your friendly PSA. Wipe your bike down. Maybe clean it every once in a while. Uh, as a side note, thank you to everybody who reached out after the Boulder fires. Uh, everybody here at CT was unaffected, but we certainly know a lot of folks who were affected who lost homes. It's both terrifying and very, very sad. And there's a lot of places you could donate and things like that. Uh, there's a lot of cyclists who lost places. If you want to go do that, there's, they're, they're pretty easy to find. Um, I know like Noah Granigan, who's a pro in town, lost his home. Like Freeberg, who's a local cyclist, lost his home. Uh, if you feel the need, go chuck some cash in because those folks, even with insurance, it'll, it'll take a lot to make them whole. Um, but I just want to say thanks to everybody who reached out and just made sure that we're all okay. We, we, we really do appreciate that. And uh, it feels good to know that all the listeners out there care enough about us <laughs> to reach out and make sure that we're good. So thank you. All right. That's it. That's it for the first episode of 2022. We'll be back every single week, the entire year, plus daily episodes at the Tour de France and other races. Like I said, 
can do slightly smaller crews for each individual week and we'll do a bit of a more of a rotation depending on what we're talking about. So pod will feel slightly different this year, but not too much. I doubt you'll even notice. <laughs> we'll be back next week with which crew? I don't know. Probably Abby back. Maybe I'll leave. Wouldn't everybody love that? All right. Bye, everybody. Have a good one. Bye-bye.